0: Forever!
1: Dog! Hey everyone, it's me, Ben Blacker, the host of this program. You knew that. Uh, who else are you going to hear? Who else is going to pop in? I should have a guest introducer someday. Anyway, listen, today's episode is a special one. Uh, it was the Vertigo Comics panel that we recorded at New York Comic Con, and um, I apologize to all of you who are sick of hearing about vertigo and Hexwives and the new .DC. vertigo line, but too bad, it's still my podcast. They haven't taken it away from me yet. And also, I think it was a really cool conversation um, about writing to a specific medium why we all chose to tell our stories in that medium, um, as well as telling personal stories in a very mainstream. Medium. Like Vertigo is part of DC, and that's one of the two biggest comic companies. And DC is part of Warner Brothers. And like the fact that the creators on this panel are getting to, one, tell personal stories, which I know for Hexwives is certainly true for me, um, but also getting to tell sort of subversive stories or getting to tell stories that are about social issues that are important to us. Um, It's kind of crazy, right? Like the the Batman-Superman movie didn't get to do that. But in comics, we get to do that. Um, And it is thanks to, in in many ways, it's thanks to uh, the editor of Vertigo who's moderating this panel, Mark Doyle, who really encouraged all of that. Who, you know, when everyone was bringing their pitches in, these are the ones he responded to. Uh, The rest of the panel is fantastic. I was lucky just to be a part of it. We have author Cat Howard, who, in addition to writing prose novels, is writing one of the Sandman books, Books of Magic. Um, Dan Waters, who is a delightful and understated fellow, he's writing Lucifer, which I'm going to talk more about next week. Um, we also had some of the other Vertigo writers, uh, Zoe Quinn, who has Goddess Mode coming out in December, and Tina Horn. Uh, who has Safe Sex coming out, I think, in the spring, as well as Rob Sheridan, who is primarily a graphic designer who's getting to write this stuff and just loves the world-building of comics. His book, High Level, uh, comes out in January, I believe. It might be February. But anyway, it's early next year, and it's really cool. It is a book that no one has been able to tell me what it's about, but as soon as you read it, and I've gotten to read the first issue, you're like, oh, I can't wait to read 25 issues of this to see the world that he's created. Um, so I hope you enjoy this. Uh, again, it's it's a little bit outside of our usual stuff, but we do talk about writing and process and and you know writing from your heart and all that bullshit. So please enjoy it. And oh, and hey, Hexwives is out on Halloween. Please pick it up.
2: They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the writers' panel with. Me starting now. Oh, yeah.
3: That was intense. I thought I needed more coffee. Now I don't. Um, hi, everyone. Thanks for coming out. My name is Mark Doyle, and I'm the executive editor of uh, DC Vertigo. Vertigo has been in the press a lot recently because we're doing a lot of fantastic new books, and that's very exciting to see. So we're going to talk about everything that you haven't read already in countless interviews and, and pieces that have been out there, um, and what I want to start talking about today is the Sandman universe. Have any of you had a chance to check out the yes. Sandman universe? Yes? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Uh, I'm incredibly excited about the Sandman universe. I, Sandman is a book that uh, I can say changed my life. I would not be standing here right now without the Sandman, so when we had the opportunity to go back into the Sandman universe and expand on it and tell new stories in that world. Um, It gave me an opportunity to think about kind of what I want to talk about today and what we're gonna be talking about with all the panelists here today is, why comics, right? Why comics? There's so many different ways to spend your time today, right, so many distractions, I'm constantly distracted, but yet we keep coming back to comics and we're all here to make comics and we're all here to talk about comics today. So that's what I want to talk about. And specifically with the Sandman universe, There's so much story there, and there are so many characters. You could tell these stories in so many different mediums, and I'm sure that will happen at some point. We're not going to talk about that right now. But what I want to talk about is the Sandman universe, and specifically Lucifer. So I'm going to talk to Dan Waters. Hi, Dan. Hello. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. You sound like a local boy. Are you local? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Born and raised in Brooklyn. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Um, So Lucifer is a fascinating character, and... Uh, right here, you can see the brand new cover for Lucifer Number One that we haven't shown before. Uh, that's for, by the fantastic Jock. We had an interesting opportunity where, um, as we were developing the book, we you know we had covers earlier on, and as we were developing the book, the style and the tone of the book sort of shifted a little bit, and we wanted something for the cover that was really. Dramatic and really grabbed people and um, we had an opportunity to work with jock who's a terrific artist who I've known for years And he said "Ooh, I have something and he shot over a sketch and I said yes, that would be fantastic So that's how we end up with this great new cover. Uh, my question for you, Dan is With the devil we've seen so many stories about the devil in so many different ways so many different mediums What can you do with Lucifer in comics that you can't do anywhere else? <laughs> On the spot
0: <laughs> well, you know I don't know, I think like the devil has always lent himself to a lot of visual media. Like you've, you know, you've always had like the Bosch and uh, so much of, like William Blake stuff. Right. It's just purely satanic. And I think like when you think about like Paradise Lost and stuff, you always you don't just think of the poetry. You think of those like amazing engravings. And yeah, he's just a visual guy, and also you don't have to write much to let artists do like amazing things. It's like, just, you know, page one. Hell. Right. Go.
3: Right. So you're lazy.
0: That's, yeah, that's, okay. that's what I'm, right. I'm circling around no, on. yeah.
3: That makes sense. You're in the right place. Um, but what's interesting, you, you mentioned hell, and I think what's great about this angle on Lucifer, and I mean, there have been so many Lucifer stories and so many great Lucifer comics when we were talking about what do we do with Lucifer? How do we make this Lucifer book different, um, Dan came up with this idea and this pitch, and basically, Lucifer is looks like a ragged old homeless man, and he's hey. blind, and he's in hell, basically, but it's a different hell. How do you create hell for the devil?
0: Um, well, you draw from personal experience, <laughs> so you, put him, you put him in a small English village.
3: Right. <laughs> Autobiographical comedy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. Um, no, but it's... But uh, honestly, I think that has been kind of the way in to the character for you, is thinking about... Yeah. Why, what, would, what would be the worst...
0: Yeah, that so, I mean... to him. Because he's always portrayed as either, you know, this gorgeous, blonde, behemoth, or Tom Ellis. Right. Which isn't far off. Um, <laughs> except blonde. But... Uh, you know he's he's this absolute pinnacle of what any of us well many of us would like to look like but he's still really mad about it all the time mm. uh, he's really really pissed off just having to exist and he doesn't have to go through any of the things that we do just as we age as we you know as life sort of takes its toll so i'm like, all like, right so let's let's really put him through the ringer let's have his Body start to break down, let's have him really, really start to suffer in a way that he's never, ever had to before and see if that changes his priorities.
3: You've done another thing with the last page that we just saw there um, was a character named Decker who is a detective in the book, an LAPD detective, and he's also very angry at the world. Who's he talking to in this page right here? Uh, A what? The tumor. tumor. (laughs) Yeah, he's talking to a tumor, ladies and gentlemen. Just... (laughs) If you it's, want a weird book, I'm just saying.
0: I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you can, if book. you can read the um, balloons there, but it's a very polite humor.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: so at least there's that.
3: But the uh, he's he he also just has like sort of tremendous anger at the world, and I think you you know you've done that great sort of classic thing that Neil always did with Samson, which is there are the fantastic characters, but then there are the human characters who really show you. Um, The sort of depth and and the emotions that are in the book and so Decker is a great character to to POV character I guess to kind of take us into this hell.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to push the horror element Mm -hmm. of the book and So with Decker what I was kind of thinking was if you actually had to like live in the Sandman universe and you didn't know about magic, and you didn't know about like, all these like, wonderful sides of things, you, know, you didn't know about like, the world of fairy and, and all this kind of stuff, and suddenly this stuff starts happening to you, you're, you're basically living in a Lovecraftian nightmare. Right.
3: So, so it's a really happy, fun book. <laughs> you guys should definitely check it out. But no, it is. It's like, I, I love that you're also playing up the horror aspect of it, too. That's something that we talk about a lot in the Halls of Vertigo, and um, you're really bringing it back, so it's cool to see. On the other end of the spectrum, in the Sandman universe, because that's the other thing too, is that if you don't know this, it it is a shared universe. These books are all existing in a way that you haven't seen before. So even if you've seen Lucifer before, if you've read books of magic before, this is different because they're all sort of connected. And you can read each one of them individually, and it's great, and they're rewarding in their own way. But if you read them all together, you start to sort of see things, little signposts, little things that say, oh my goodness, this is how things are connected. So... Um, Lucifer is on one end of the spectrum. And then on the total opposite end of the spectrum you have
2: Hey, we started out with gory dead bodies. Oh, that's true. You know what? You're right.
3: This book is dark as hell too. I don't know what. I was talking about. <laughs> um but Books of Magic and we have Cat Howard here today to talk about Books of Magic. <laughs> Welcome.
2: This is my very first Comic-Con. This is weird. This is your first Comic-Con? Yes, it is. I'm
3: so sorry. <laughs> I, sh- I could have warned you. You could have. You could have been like, "Should I
2: come?" And be like, mm.
3: <laughs> "I'm kidding. Welcome, welcome to one of the Figured best comics." Figured I'd
2: just jump cars. right in. Yeah, exactly.
3: Um, well, and that's kind of what you did with comics, right? We, yes. we just threw you into the deep end. Uh, if you don't, if any of you don't know, Cat is a fantastic writer, fantastic novelist, and we knew some of her work. And when we were looking at books of magic and trying to figure out a new way to approach this book, um, editor Molly Mahan came to me and she said, "I know someone who writes magic really well." And so then I started reading your stuff, and I was like, oh, yes, this makes total (laughs) sense. Um, And for those of you who don't know, the story of Books of Magic and Tim Hunter is basically he is a young magician who is either going to be the world's greatest magician or the world's greatest villain. It's all up to him. And we start with this book. We've done a lot of different versions of Tim and a lot of different versions of Books of Magic, but we really brought this book back to its core and... um, You know, if you've read the original game and miniseries, this is sort of like the next evolution of that. And the the thing I was thinking about when... So we just recently wrapped the first issue, and I was thinking about this, and I wanted to ask you. You know, magic is something that we see in so many different places and so many different stories. Mm -hmm. Again, doing comics and making this... This is your first comic. What can you do with magic? Here that you haven't been able to do in other movies? Well,
2: the fun for me is being able to bring it visually onto the page. Mm-hmm. Like You know, I feel pretty good about words. You know, I can generally put sentences together. And so when I've thought about magic before, it's been, okay, I need, you know, I need magic words, I need compelling language and stuff like that. And now it's, you know, thinking about images or enough images that I can give my absolutely brilliant creative team, uh, Tom Fowler and Jordan Boyd, to, you know, direction to say, okay, now can we, you know levitate up here and make explosions over there and also it should shimmer like maybe somebody poured oil on the page. This will be no problem for you to draw. Right. Right. <laughs> I kind of but want it to
1: be like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and
2: that's basically how my scripts read. I'm so sorry. <laughs> 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 but it's it's really great because I feel like that, that that visual on the page aspect you know combined with you know the emotions that the characters they're feeling, the great body language of the characters, it helps make it really immersive for the reader cool. you know I feel like it pulls in that way, and so that's been really, really fun.
3: One of the things that I love about Cat's approach to books of magic, as you saw on the pages that we were just showing there, um, you know it's a high school scene it's a kid dealing with high school drama, and I think that's something that Everyone obviously can can relate to, and um, yeah, there's magic, but it's also Tim is just trying to figure out how to be a kid and be a good kid, and um, you do that really, really well. It was
2: definitely one of the things that I really wanted to do with this book, you know, just because we do get a lot of magic stories, you know, right. and, and not that that's bad. More magic stories is great, but like the fact that the, he is—he's is a 13-year-old kid, and this is weird yes. like, to find out at 13. You might destroy not only your own universe, but like all the universes. <laughs> And you have an algebra exam, right? <laughs> you know, so it's like I really wanted to make sure both of those parts of Tim's life made it onto the page.
3: Yeah, you can see in the background that first panel on the first page there is um, <laughs> Ellie, uh, who will become an important character too. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about how you have been sort of writing their? I, I hesitate to say relationship, but um, you know, t- Tim is interested in Ellie. Tim is
2: interested in Ellie. Ellie is a really nice girl. Yeah. she's You know, she she's sweet, she's cute, you know, she's a smart girl, she, Tim's an awkward kid, you know, he's not, he doesn't have any good lines, he doesn't have any good plays, he's just <laughs> like, I love you, but not in a <laughs> creepy way, right. you know, and, and so that's, you know, that's kind of fun, that's fun to write too, that whole little like, I have feelings about this person and I have absolutely no idea how to articulate that, and <laughs> Hello. Would you like a present? Right.
4: <laughs> right. That's <exactly. laughs> his love language. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Basically, his his love language is presents and trying to fix things, and neither of them really go well for him. <laughs> right.
3: But he's trying. He's
2: trying. He's we, trying really hard. We like love that. him for trying. Yes.
3: Uh, so the Sandman universe, and uh, you know, Lucifer, Books of Magic, The Dreaming, and also House of Whispers. Um, This is the beginning of something really, really special. So if you haven't had a chance to check this stuff out, definitely go out, get these books, read them all, read just a few, whatever you want. Just check them out because they're fantastic. But the Sandman universe has just been the beginning of Vertigo's... This is Vertigo's 25th anniversary, you guys. Hell yeah. Pause for applause. Pause for applause. So... About a year ago, we kind of, I came back to Vertigo and we reformed the the editorial team and we all sat around thinking big thoughts and said, what is Vertigo? What do we want to do? What do we want to say? And um, it kind of led us out into the world to start talking to a lot of really interesting people who've never done comics before. And that's why we have some of our panelists here today, uh, because we went out and we said, let's... Find some new people. Let's find some people who are telling interesting stories in other mediums, and let's see if they want to come to Vertigo. And um, luckily, when we called these people, they didn't just laugh or hang up. They said, "Oh yes, yes, I want to do a Vertigo book too." So um, we, the in September, the first uh, brand new Vertigo book, Border Town, came out. Oh I don't know God. if any of you guys got a chance. Border to Town out. is Border so town.
4: amazing.
3: Rave reviews. It's sold out. It's the first Vertigo book to sell out since 2013, so we're very, very excited about that. Um, it's a great book. Check that out if you haven't yet. Um, those guys aren't here today. Eric and Ramon are busy making comic books, so they could not be here today. But uh, we do have the next new Vertigo book out of the gate. Is a book called Hex Wives. And Ben, you have the, you have the hard job of uh, following up Border Town. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, this is terrifying. <laughs> uh, Bordertown is so good, uh, and Eric and Ramon are so talented. Um, you know, oh, wait. Yeah. Before I forget. What? We have stuff. Yeah, yeah. We have stuff to give away. yeah, yeah. We have stuff to give say. away, you guys.
3: Woo! I was supposed to say that at the top, and I forgot, <laughs> but I remembered now, so it's okay. So stick around. We have free stuff that may or may not I was be related do it. to Hexwise.
1: <laughs> I can't remember. No, it definitely is. Oh, it is. <laughs> but what don't is read it? it. Please don't read it. Just <laughs> pick it up and then go on Twitter and say how much you loved it. Because <laughs> um, I, 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 the pressure to follow Border Town and really the Sandman books as well is overwhelming. Um, and I don't want you to see this thing that we work so hard on. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But to make things even more complicated, if, if of any of you know Ben's work, he's done a lot of interesting stuff in a lot of different interesting mediums, um, but X Wives is a little different <laughs> than things that you've done in the past, because X Wives is, is a drama. It's dramatic. Why? It is. Why? Drama. Why not? I mean, comedy. You've worked in so many different genres before. Why do something that's more of a dramatic? Why drama?
1: Um, I don't know if you've been living in the world the past couple of years. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> but no. nothing is funny Fill me anymore. In. Everything's cool, right? <laughs> yeah, nothing. There, nothing is funny anymore. Um, oh, I don't. Okay. I don't know about you all, but I'm. Uh, I'm a bit heated up. <laughs> this is what it looks like. Um, <laughs> that's what it should I'm, look like. You on. know, I've spent three, four years angry, and, you know, 35 years before that, mildly annoyed. <laughs> um, and I'm a white guy. Like, I have it easy, <laughs> and I've been angry. Um, and so Hexwise was really, you know, a way to sort of channel that anger into, I won't say art. I will say craft. Um, I would hesitate to call what I do art. I think it's a, a story well told, uh And I did what I can do, but my my collaborators, uh, both Mirka Andolfo and Marissa Louise, as well as the editors Molly and Maggie, have made it into something great. Um, But yeah, that's that's why not comedy is because there's there's too much to say, you know. There's too much that's that could get lost among too many jokes, right? Um, And I don't feel like making jokes anymore. That said there 's a lot of funny in those there's some funny stuff I've, like there are a couple <laughs> there are a couple characters who, uh, whom I absolutely love to write um, there's one, do you guys know the so look it 's about a coven of witches who doesn 't know that they don 't know that they 're witches, and then over the course of the first arc, they start to find out that they are witches uh, and they are being held uh, against their will by these men who fear them and therefore try to control them get it <laughs> um, but there's <laughs> there are a couple of witches, uh, a couple of characters who I love writing. Do you know the uh, the singer Lizzo? Yeah. yeah, So I based one of these characters on Lizzo. Uh, do you follow her on Instagram? Do it. Yes. She's so funny, <laughs> uh, and so uh, like, and so joyful. Even when people give her shit, and she just like has a great sense of humor about it, and we'll talk back. So there's a character who, once she finds out she's a witch, she's like. Fuck yes. <laughs> this is the best. I knew it. Um like just just grabbing that power. Um and then there's another character who um all the characters are sort of loosely based on pop culture, which is one of the jumping off points for the book was Bewitched. So our main character is sort of a Samantha Stevens uh who like uh, you guys seem young, maybe you don't know bewitched, but Samantha Stevens You seem like cool people. Yeah, you you seem like the youth. Um Yeah, she she was married to an ad man and she was like living in suburbia and she was this crazy powerful witch. And her mother would come by and be like, you've married beneath you, darling. <laughs> and the mother was right. <laughs> she should not have been worrying about getting dinner on the table for her husband and his boss. That's insane. Um, but one of the other characters is uh, based, loo- loosely based on uh, Wendy the witch from Casper. <laughs> uh, in that mostly, like Mirka is an incredible uh, designer and so she designed the clothing. And so she has like this red hoodie that she wears all the time. But this character's also funny in a different way to, to the uh, Lizzo character. Uh, she's funny in that she's a total bummer. Like, she just hates being where she is. Uh, and guess what? That kind of anger and uh, uh, peevishness has been fun to write as well in this current climate. Did I answer your question? Nothing's funny. Nothing's funny. <laughs> yes, that answers my question
3: that's okay we're here at vertigo where we just sort of like wear black and we just mope a lot yeah,
5: yeah. the world is burning read comics <laughs> yes exactly
3: exactly um but goddess mode uh yes we might have a free issue for you here today of what if of stick Life. around yes uh-huh. yeah no we do we do, we do. We definitely we have that we
1: definitely do. there's no reason to tease it they're here oh yeah oh yeah they're here <laughs> Sorry, they're here. Please stick around. You You'll just have to find them. <laughs> Please do. I hope you liked it. We've been working on this for a while, and we're very proud of the work we have done. Um, and I'm, I'm just getting art for issue three, and the thing just keeps getting better and better. So. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. Oh, you're welcome.
3: Um, I do. I like what you said, though. Don't read it. Just tweet about it. I think that's what <laughs> most people do on Twitter anyway. They don't read anything. They just
1: tweet about things. <laughs> hey, there's nothing worse than bad Wi-Fi. Life's too short. You're trying to stream a video. You're trying to watch a sports game. You're trying to download a podcast. This podcast? Probably. Uh, And then you get bad Wi-Fi. I hate it. We all hate it. Which is why I changed over to Eero. Eero is a router. But it's not like any router you've used before. You get total network protection. Eero Plus offers the ability to block malicious and unwanted content across your entire network. It checks the sites you visit against a database of millions of known threats. And Eero Plus prevents you from accidentally visiting malicious sites without slowing anything down. Content blocking. Eero Plus automatically tags sites that contain violent, illegal, or adult content. So you can choose what your kids can and cannot visit right in the Eero app. That's the thing. It's all controlled from this app. Uh, this is what we did. I have a strange-shaped house. So we installed this enterpri- enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system uh, in just a few minutes. You download the app on your iOS or Android device, and the, the app walks you through each step of the process. It's quick, easy, painless. The best part is that the Eero app lets you manage your network from the palm of your hand so you know how many devices are connected at any given point, as well as the internet speed that you are getting from your service provider. You can also easily create and share a guest network. Oh, also, I'm pretty dumb. So even though I got the app, and the app is real simple, I am like a 90-year-old man, and I don't know how to do things. Uh, so I had to call customer support. And their customer support is really incredible. Uh, it's it You genuinely know that it's something the company is invested in. You can call and get a hold of a Wi-Fi expert within 30 seconds. If you have any worries about your other connected devices during the setup, one of Eero's experts can walk you through everything. They can also help you if you're not sure how many Eero's are right for your home. Just call. They sent me one. I'll I'll admit that. But I also bought one because I live in a mansion. (laughs) not true. But I do have a strangely shaped home. So we needed one for like the front of the house where we work and the back of the house where our TV is so we could stream stuff uh, more easily. And it really has made all the difference. To get yours and to get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons packages and a year of Eero Plus, go to Eero.com slash panel and at checkout, enter the promo code panel, P-A-N-E-L, and uh, make all the difference for the Wi-Fi in your home. We can be heroes just for one day.
2: Um
3: okay, so speaking of bad badass women in a terrific world. Hi, Zoe.
6: <laughs> I feel like you're implying something there. That's very flattering. Thank you, Mark. Well,
3: you're welcome. That's what we're here. We're here to flatter everyone. Um let's talk about goddess mode. This is a book where uh, you, you, you basically sort of pitched it as a sort of, you know, futuristic, magical girl, cyberpunk book. And I said, go on. <laughs> um, you know, sort of same question to you. You've done a tremendous amount of storytelling and world building in a lot of different mediums. Why comics? And more specifically, you know, when, you, when you're doing something like building a game, that's such a sort of like, long vision right like it sort of oh. takes it's so long and you're collaborating with so many people um i think you know just and it, we're really fortunate zoe lives close to the dc office so she gets to come in a lot and we'll just sort of talk story and kind of bounce ideas around um, you see how sort of oh and these we're showing some pages right here from god Mo- never before
6: time. seen yeah
3: never before <clears throat> seen um, you're you're seeing now it, coming in the offices and working with robbie and everyone like it's it, it's it's faster, right? Would you say it's a lot faster? Like, what's the main difference between the sort of like speed of the world building that you're doing with something like Goddess Mode?
6: It's so nice to not have to wait five years to show everybody what I've been doing. Right. Because um, I, I love I love making games and making these little tiny microcosms. And uh, both comics and games have a lot in common, and that they are bringing a couple different disciplines together. And the intersection of where those things come together is where it just provides so many interesting. Uh, opportunities for storytelling that you don't get and you know like I've, I've written an, a nonfiction novel like I've experimented with a lot of other mediums like I've, my only post-secondary education is dropping out of pro wrestling school um uh, I, every time
3: <laughs> I see her, I learn something new. <laughs> how did I not know? How is that not the first thing out of? This?
6: I honestly feel like I should be leading with yeah. that. It's like, oh hi, I'm a, I'm a wrestling school dropout.
3: I need like a really like a business card with like lots of tiny right. Like, here's Ironically, I
6: did get vertigo from that. Oh. Um, but the the cool thing uh, I think too, especially about comics, is the time difference is a bit more stretchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with Goddess Mode, it's like I have to. It's cyberpunk and magical girl nurse like, they're so easy to get bogged down in the bitty-boops uh, of kind of explaining warp cores and, tech, like, tech- mm-hmm. techno babble. where it's like, ah, just let me show you this. Uh, it'll be cool. And then, like, uh, communicating a lot of information in a very dense and visual way is really nice. And then also not having to do... The nice thing about games is that you're more or less giving up co-authorship to this anonymous... No, uh, any number of third parties that you'll never speak to or meet, and mm. uh, letting them kind of tell their own stories. And this is like a bit more focused, mm-hmm. uh, and I can gar- I can guide attention in a more linear way, which is really satisfying. Um, but I just co- I've always wanted to do comics. I I really loved it. My first mentor in games actually was like, "Here, read Understanding Comics. Uh. I know that you're, you're getting into games." but most of this is, like, the same stuff. Right. And it was really cool coming back to that uh, after talking to you guys and being like, oh, oh, yay, I get to apply this to, like, the actual thing. Exactly.
3: And, you know, as fantastic as this world is, and you can see amazing art from Robbie here, um, one of the things that really grounds it is your main character, Cassandra. What Can you tell us a little bit about where she is in her life when we first meet her?
6: Uh, I think I introduced her in my script as our trash goblin protagonist.
3: Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, you did.
6: Uh, I kind of wanted to do this, it's, it's, I really, uh, for a first comic, kind of decided to go for it, where it's like, let me just uh, do a magic building thing, a tech world building thing, and then also try to tell a character-focused story through that, you know, no, no right. amount of uncomplicated things going on there, Right. Um, but Cassandra's trying to, basically, where I'm pouring, all these different characters are, are where I'm pouring, after four years of working in tech advocacy and trying to look at this thing where, you know, growing up, especially rural and isolated, technology basically being like magic to me mm-hmm. and being like the most important thing in the world and then watching how it gets used to destroy each other and is not sort of fulfilling that utopian ideal that I feel like we had in the 90s and try to steer that. It's like I can't say a lot of what happened during my time in there so i'm trying to scream it through fiction and all of these characters and these frustrations especially because it's like when you work in at one of the things i like about all the vertigo books is like we're all kind of we've got like different takes on different aspects of society Mm -hmm. we're mine is focused on like the people that are like they know stuff is screwed up they're trying to make it better what the hell do you do that then you know it's like one thing to know stuff is wrong what do I, i need to fix it And it's another to be like, not only how do I do that, but how do I not go crazy? Because the people usually doing this and taking on all this heavy lifting are the people who are also suffering the most from it. And it's hard to tell those stories in a way that doesn't like weirdly commodify suffering. And there's all these different like weird aspects of uh, the tolls that it takes on the people that are trying to basically fix the car while they're driving it. And also the car is running them over somehow. (laughs) So uh, Cassandra and all of the girls are... uh, Total messes. Uh, You know, my my favorite DC character is Harley Quinn because, like, she's a disaster. All my girls are disasters. Um, They're lovable disasters. They're they're doing their best. And it's like they... uh, It's like... And I feel like that's just a thing that we have to kind of work with everybody being kind of... Everybody that's trying to make things better. We're all kind of screwed up anyway. How do we relate to each other without driving each other crazy? Uh, And also, like, how do we still treat each other well while dealing with all that? Right. Um, So you know, making a crazy world just to situate these characters, and Cassandra especially being the person who's like, I have so much, I have bills to pay, I have all these things going on, how am I supposed to, like, like, fight monsters and deal with, like, these things that are so much bigger than me when I feel so small and crushed by it?
3: Exactly. The type of world building that you're doing is, you know, it's one way to sort of tell a futuristic story, but then... Rob, you're doing a very different kind of world building in your story, High Level. Um, you describe this book as being set in a post-post-apocalyptic world, which is which is interesting. Again, I, you know, all of these all of these fantastic books start with these pitches that are just they're very sort of simple and clean, and we see so many pitches as editors. But when you come in with something that I'm like, oh, that's interesting, um, and when you started with a post-post-apocalyptic world, I was like. Okay, all right, I'm listening. Um, but then it's been really interesting walk, watching you work because this is, comics is a new medium for you too, but you have done a lot of world building, whether it's online or through an album. Like, you've done so much world building. What is different about building this world with the team of people that you're doing, from your editor to your artist? Like, what, what's different about this kind of world building that you're doing?
5: Um, I mean, well, here's some of the first pages. Yeah, there's some pages. Yeah, we're debuting this today, which is exciting because... I get to see these come in every couple days and just have my mind blown by how cool they look. Um, I I think the main thing is we've done a lot of, in my career as an art director, we do a lot of visual world building. We do a lot of storytelling in kind of abstract ways. And um, a lot of it is about just telling a a kind of like an abstract narrative that makes you feel something without really identifying specific narrative elements. Mm -hmm. So this was this was a fun opportunity to actually like take all of that and turn it into a real narrative. Right? Right. Um, something very cinematic and story-based and character-driven, whereas um, all the work I'd done as an art director was very much about um, trying to convey something without any characters, without any words, just just driving you through an emotional journey mm. using visuals only. Mm-hmm. So now we get to actually build an entire universe with characters and, and have plot and structure and everything. So it's it's really fun.
3: But even though, you know, you are, uh, again, it's a post-post-apocalyptic world, but you're, I think, uh, I think you, you, you share some of Ben's anger. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, because I think that, you know, af- after the sort of initial setup, you'll, you start to sort of recognize how this world, it's not that far away from our world. And you've, you've constructed this sort of map, map? Did I say map? Yeah. Oh. Oh, <laughs> and aren't there giveaways later? There might be some giveaways. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, uh, you've constructed this sort of map where you, you get to sort of go through, it's like, and now I'm going to talk about this. And now I'm going to talk about this. How can you talk a little bit about, um, you, you've been, you've kind of been on your own Journey recently that sort of inspired this and made you think like I, this is how I want to construct this story.
5: Yeah, I mean this this whole the whole story of the the first arc of uh, High Level is constructed in three significant arcs, and the first one is is a is an adventure story. It's a journey, um, kind of a post post apocalyptic road trip. And uh, that's because it was conceived while I was with my wife in an RV trip through the forest as we were burning our lives down and restarting from scratch. And the <laughs> world all. And the world was collapsing, it seemed, around us. And, and um, I drew a lot of inspiration from that personal experience and also things that I was angry about in the world, much like Ben was talking about. It's, it's great to have an outlet where you can take all of these things um, that you're frustrated about in the world around you, and not just scream into the void and turn it into something fun, turn it into a story that people might hopefully want to read. And you know, by setting it post-post-apocalyptic, we've kind of distanced ourselves as much as possible from current events right now, and yet we're still saying a lot about Absolutely. current events right yeah. now. And it, it's kind of fun because instead of like this story about how things go wrong in the in the future from now we're showing how people have rebuilt uh, from the ashes of the American empire and creating what's almost like a completely sci-fi world because these people have rebuilt everything from scratch. Mm -hmm. There's no internet, there's no phones. They just use scraps of old technology and they've rebuilt in the outlands where it's, you know, former middle America where it's too too hot and deserty and stormy for anyone to live, but they've figured out a way to live in the wreckage of our society. Like LA. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I lived in LA too. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: exactly. I but at least uh, it, I, I like I like reading high level because it makes me think like oh there so there's something on the other side of this like it, we could sort of build after this.
5: Yeah, and it's it's not like I didn't I I my background was the, the last kind of big narrative project I did was this story called Year Zero, which was. A very contemporary dystopian story, which unfortunately now reads a lot more like the news. <laughs> and um, I didn't want it to be like that. Um, I didn't want it to be this like oppressive dystopian thing. There's elements of that in the world as we move forward through it, but it, at the beginning, it's a lot more about um, it's a lot more about people who have lost the past, and you see the world that they've built without knowing their history. And we gradually unveil, as the story goes on, it, it's like a, it's a classic adventure where it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the character moves through the world, and you start to understand a little bit about what happened, and that all ties back to where we are right
3: now. Absolutely. Um, Tina. What's up? Hi. Hi. <laughs> I put you in the hot seat.
4: That's cool. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, can I say something really quick? Sure. Uh, Representation is so important, and so I feel... Like really touched by how Vertigo has put so much time and energy into uh, having characters that are babes with side like Totally undercuts. Like I really, like, this is so I, important in the necessary in these times. Absolutely. Yes, yeah.
5: we have a lot of side shave babes. Yeah,
4: like
6: just just seeing your your I, character with the colors coming, I'm like, oh shit.
5: I know, I hadn't seen your art either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Outside, because the the original the. I don't know if you have the cover there, but the original cover that we had, she had this short haircut. Oh yeah, the and that, and part of it was so I told Barnaby like at the beginning of the story, make her have long hair because there's a part in the story that was kind of inspired by my my wife, uh, you know, at a bad time in our lives, just freaking out and just. Getting drunk and locking herself in the bathroom, mm-hmm. just cutting her own hair. You know, just We've all got to do. It. Like it when you feel like there's nothing else you can control in the world, it's like sometimes you just do these things that make you feel like maybe you have some control over something. You
6: store your feelings so, in your hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a
5: there's a part in the first issue where she she feels like her world is kind of like she's losing control of it and things are happening that she's upset about, and she originally in the script she was going to cut and dye her hair, mm-hmm. so she was going to have the short haircut, and then. It was my wife who said, you know, maybe you should keep the, sh- the long hair a little bit longer because it's so much easier to cosplay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> always think about cosplayers, <laughs> always, think
6: about
4: always think always about cosplayers. We are here for yeah. you. So yeah, now she just
5: real. dyes her hair at the beginning. And, and anyway, we have- we have a side shave, bay for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't
4: don't read things, tweet about them, and cosplay about them. Yes, and that would <laughs> yes. Be fine. For That's real, really if easy. I
6: ever, if I the first time, if it happens, I see a goddess mode cosplayer, I'm just going. If you you will, everybody will hear audible crying from <laughs> wherever you are.
3: It'll happen. Uh, It'll happen. Uh. Um, Tina, you're you're also building a sort of dystopian world. Mm-hmm. I, it's
4: not my fault. I'm sorry.
3: You're, it is your fault, but that's okay. That's okay. We want you to do it. Um, you know, we've all been talking about sort of different aspects of. I'm. I'm. You, you know, you. You've worked in so many different mediums and journalism and podcasting and activism. I'm going to put it to you too. Why comics? Why? Why? Why is comics the place to tell the story of safe sex? Where we have this dystopian world where pleasure is monitored mm. by the man.
4: Yeah, dystopia.
3: Yeah, <laughs> why uh,
4: comics? Well, I mean, I love comics. I mean, I am sure a lot of people here also grew up on. I mean, you guys, Vertigo is extremely my shit. Like, I, <laughs> I, I grew it's a up on. Uh, it, you know, Get on that.
3: Yeah. Vertigo is extremely can t- my you shit. You take
4: that. Uh, I, I grew up on Sandman and The Invisibles and Swamp Thing and Hellblazer and preacher, like this formed, you know, this like twisted, sick person that I am. And, (laughs) um, but I've, I, I've just never really had thought to pursue writing fiction. I felt like called to nonfiction. Uh, and so then when Amadeo Totoro, my editor wrote me and said, do you want to write like your favorite genre and your favorite medium i was like i guess i've like professionalized everything else that i like so (laughs) i guess i can professionalize this too (laughs) yeah i know you took the one like and now i can't you know like watch a movie or like read a comic anymore without being like oh i see what i'm gonna steal that you know
3: Yeah, it's the worst right
4: no actually i i don't know i think i'm wired for that yeah. So it's it's working out. Oh, okay. well, you're
3: definitely wired for that. And oh, this thanks. is this, this is something that I've talked about before too. I mean like when when the first spec script that I read from you, I was like, "Oh, yeah, she's got it. This is great. This is this is going to be fine." Thanks, man. Um you're you know, w- once you started sort of building this world, I mean, you guys have done a great job sort of um it's a it's a <laughs> The, the sort of like pitchy line is, it's a, it's a ragtag team of sex workers, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's my voiceover, my trailer voiceover. It's great. A it's ragtag really team of sex workers. Um, in a world. In a world. <laughs> but you, you, you guys have done a great job of like, yes, they are these sort of, they're these different characters and yes, they're, they're, they're kind of civilians, but like they feel like a superhero team in some way. Like what was, what was that like sort of designing the, the look of them and, and um, coming up with that sort of that team?
4: I mean nobody in safe sex is strictly based on any particular person but I would say that like collectively the the the, can I say the name? Can I say names of things? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So there's We brought like you a, here to talk. Okay. Cool. Talk. <laughs> no. Like what's embargoed and what isn't. Um, so there's there's like a group, there's a ragtag group of uh, sex workers and queers and just like other uh, uh, sex rebels uh, that are collectively known as the Dirty Minds.
5: Sex Rebels is a great band name. Yeah.
4: Yes. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, and they i mean they're real, they're based on they're based on like community. so it's not like there are individuals that the characters are based on but like what what the the characters as like chosen families and as like action adventure team uh you know which like happens under duress sort of um right. in this dystopia like what you know i based their the the characteristics that they would draw on from the sex work communities that I'm a part of and the queer communities that I'm a part of and just, like, all of the sex rebel underground <laughs> communities that that I'm a part of and, and also try to, um, like, as a, as a journalist, I'm interested in, like, reporting on the cultures that I'm a part of so that there's more representation of those cultures that's not just, like, people on safari. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then it was... It was exciting to put it into a comic form because I had you and and Amadeo to guide me because otherwise I think I probably would have, um, like... I think my approach to fiction initially was like, okay, I'm gonna write a critical essay and about all this, the like sexual politics that are important to me. And I'm gonna have this character and she's gonna have super cool outfit and be right about everything. That's me and then and all my friends. And then I'm gonna have this like uh, ugly character in a dumb outfit. And they're gonna say all the opinions that are wrong. Um, And then it's gonna be like Clash of the Titans, you know, and I'm gonna like make them fight. that's gonna be a comic book and I would read that actually personally <laughs> but um, but then I had some guidance that like maybe people would like um, like thrills and chills and um, mutilations and uh, failure and uh, character emotional arcs. And stuff. So i like, I feel like I've gotten like a maestro class in fiction writing, and uh, and it's been it's been fun. Like Zoe says,
3: learning as the fixing the car as it's going. Yes, yeah. totally, yeah. totally. I'm um, also
4: getting run over by the car while right, fixing you're right. it. Yeah. What, what, can I can I ask her a question too? As
6: like
3: the... no, <laughs> of course, yes. Um, it's time for free form dialogue.
6: Uh, as like someone, who, my last book was nonfiction too. Mm-hmm. Do you? I I kind of felt like getting back into fiction was like nonfiction is like digging through dumpsters to find the things that make sense and like squishing them together and be like, here, this is what this actually was. Whereas like fiction is like, I get to imagine things. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's fun to imagine things
4: and then to find out what was in your head, I guess. Yeah
3: but i think you you made a good point that you know rather than being like here's the good guy and here's the bad guy um i think you've done the the sort of oppressive regime that is in safe sex is um it's it's interesting because you as you start to sort of learn more about those characters and their backgrounds too it's you know it's it's that thing of you know no one thinks they're the villain Yes. Right? I definitely I you've took done a that. Good job with that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah,
4: I took that advice t- to heart that the villain doesn't think that they're the villain and I I definitely know anybody who's done any kind of activist work or really been a part of any marginalized group definitely knows people who think that they are the hero and you feel like they're the villain and you feel like why can't we all get along? And see eye to eye, um, but yeah, yeah. I I I wanted to. I I did want to comment on. I don't know things that I see in my. I mean, this is a very personal story. It's not autobiographical, but it's very. the 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 themes of it are are extremely uh, emotionally important to me, and one of them is the way that marginalized groups like do the work of the oppressor by like fighting one another uh and so i i yeah thanks <laughs> um <Snaps>. I, <laughs> uh yeah and so i i definitely wanted to to represent to people like i wanted to represent folks like that and make them the big bads because um i also like took advice uh from alan moore's book about writing comics where he said if you want to write horror and there are definitely elements of horror in this story if you want to write horror you have to ask yourself what scares you and that sounds like really sort of basic like phone it in advice but uh as a project like asking yourself like what really really scares you uh and what really scares me is yeah us doing the work of the oppressors well,
3: exactly, and well, I mean, how often do you sit down and ask yourself what scares you? Like, mm. you, do, you don't, right? Like, because you'd rather not think about it. But that's that's the that's the point of good fiction is to sit down and say, like, okay, what what is the thing you know that I that I have to face mm-hmm.
4: if I'm going to mm-hmm. make
3: this story good? Um, and I think that's something that all of you guys have done really well, and something that we you know we as an editorial group and and asking ourselves in the 25th year of Vertigo, like, what is Vertigo and what are the stories that we want to tell? And um, all of these stories and all of the writers who you're seeing here today, they're all here because this is the story that they're dying to tell. And that is really exciting to see because when when you go to someone and say like this is it, you've only got one more, this is it, this is the story that you must tell right now, what does it go? then you get really, really fascinating stuff. And I think you guys, um, that's thats what you're doing. You're, you're digging deep and telling like the really, really scary uh, stuff.
5: I'll just say that one thing that's been exciting for me to explore as I have read and started to see the previews and heard the words from the other creators here is that every one of these is so personal mm. to them. Yeah. Like they're all fantasy oriented. It's, it's cyberpunk and it's post-apocalyptic futures and it's witches and whatever and they're all used in the way i think pop art is best used as a as a fantastic way to tell something that's very personal and emotional and and comes from your you know each writer's own unique life experience or what they're mad about in the world or what you know what they've gone through what the what they feel is happening around them and it's it's really cool to hear the stories behind every one of these cuz i think that's that's what i love about pop art it, you know it's everything you see from from star wars to harry potter is, is it's about a thing as as i think ben said at the last con it's about a thing but it's also about something much bigger I- inside and it's a, it's probably i think one of the best ways to to gently insert a message into people <laughs> into an audience you know H- i think H- this gets truth. back to
1: mark your original question which is why comics um and i think you know we're all we're all playing in metaphor right and comics does metaphor both by design and because it has no choice uh better than any medium uh you know if superman were just superman if it were just a guy flying around in a cape fighting people that would get old pretty fast it has to be about something else yeah um and i think that's we're all sort of grabbing onto that and vertigo has given us the opportunity to grab onto that and tell these stories as only comics can
2: And I I think the fantastic part works well with that, you know, because Mm. you're you you skip setting up the metaphor. You don't have to prove Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're you're not wasting time saying, well, this thing is like a monster because it does this. (laughs) You just put the fucking monster on the page, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and then go from there
1: and then punch it
2: and, and you, well, can, you know, sometimes I find yeah. often that a good knife works for me yeah, there you. Yeah,
5: there you go.
1: Sometimes the monster is us. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We live in a society.
6: Uh, I really like hearing, um, anytime I talk to any of the other Vertigo creators, it's like, oh, there's like, my book has this like one feel in common with where you're coming from. And like, I, it's, it's really yeah. neat. Feeling, Mark, can like, we all do, a, do a crossover? cross-over?
3: Absolutely.
1: I promise I'll track it. I'll make sure it works.
5: <laughs> Good luck.
3: Well, I, you know, that, that is the, like, that's the great thing about, you know, Vertigo, it, obviously individual voices and individual stories. But I, I think you guys can tell um, from listening to these creators here today, everyone's sort of, you, you guys are all, like, it's like a band, right? Like we're all we're all kind of like Getting saying sort of you know together. similar things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> saying similar things, but just sort of in different stories and different mediums. And yes, uh, Vertigo crossover next year. Get ready. Yeah. For it. Yes, my
4: guys theoretically... are
6: immortal. Come on, <laughs> everyone has a side shave. <laughs>
4: shave.
3: <laughs> Basement side shaves is the new uh, you know anthology series.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
5: um 100 I, I, copies please yeah i think i had a you and i had a conversation on twitter and dm i think where we were like talking about our stories and you're like wait a minute wait a minute yours is cyberpunk too and it takes place in the future wait what and then i was like well in mine there's like no networks left like Everything's been mm-hmm. destroyed. Technology's been rebuilt from scratch. Mm-hmm. There's no network. And you're like, okay, good. Mine is very much a connected <laughs> uh, network. Bro.
6: And I was like, wait, timeline-wise, it's like yours is way of, like yours would be ahead of mine. And like, oh, you.
3: <laughs> this is when we had you all locked in individual, individual cages before you actually started. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh,
6: it's fun coming out. Yeah. We're, we're coming yeah. out of our cage. And we're doing just fine, Mark. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Love being raised in captivity. <laughs>
3: Well, I think you guys have done an amazing job of sort of answering the question of why comics. And you guys know the answer to that question too, why comics. It's why you're here today, right? You dragged your asses out here for for a morning panel. I really, really appreciate that. So you guys know why comics. You guys know why comics. Thank you so much for coming out. Check out these books. They're all amazing. Everyone is wearing their heart on their sleeve and just doing the best work that they can. You guys should check it out. So thank you so much for coming out. Thank you to our panelists.
1: Thank you for listening to The Writer's Panel. Tune in next Tuesday and every Tuesday for a brand new episode. And in the meantime, please subscribe and review The Writer's Panel on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. And follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker, just like it sounds. And let me know who you want to have on the show. The Writer's Panel is a co-production of the Forever Dog Podcast Network and the ATX Television Festival. You can listen to more Forever Dog podcasts at foreverdogpodcast.com and keep up with the ATX Fest throughout the year at atxfestival.com. Thank you, and see you next week. Well, you'll hear me next week. Thanks for subscribing.
0: Forever
1: Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.